0: When life gives you lemons, Pastor Julie, what do you do? You make lemonade. And what I want us to do is I want us to be gritty people that pivot and say, when life gives me lemons, I'm going to make lemonade, but I'm going to plant the seeds. And one day someone's going to sit in my orchard and eat of my fruit because I chose not to give up. Hey, everyone.
1: Welcome back to the So Good Sisterhood Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband, Todd, and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood podcast is all about investing in every girl from every generation to live intentionally, lead confidently, and love generously. And hopefully, it will leave you saying, that was so good. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And I am so excited to have yes. Bianca Jurez, right? Yes. Jurez Old Top <laughs> on the podcast. Bianca, we're just so honored to have you with us
0: on the So Good Podcast. And listen, the honor is mine. I love that we get to do it in person. Most of the podcasts that I'm doing are via Zoom, but I get to sit across the table from you, looking your eyes tell you that your outfit is fabulous and have a real conversation. (laughs) So thank you for trusting me. I appreciate you. I'm honored to be here.
1: Well, I love your podcast and I've learned so much from you on the podcast, Mm. but I'd love to hear just for our listeners who maybe don't know you as well as I do, just what's going on in
0: all things in your world and what are you most excited about right now? Most excited about, I don't want to say a book tour because it's not formally a book tour, but I get to talk about a book that I'm very passionate about and I've been uh, traveling to a couple different cities and places and that's been super super fun and I've it's found itself into unsuspecting places so I mm-hmm. spoke at an awareness event for children that need to be adopted also in prisons and also in churches and college campuses mm-hmm. so what I'm realizing is that resiliency and grit is something that is at the core of our soul that we need and that we want mm-hmm. so it's been really really fun to do. That's amazing
1: and you're being just a little bit modest because you're on this little tour and right after you leave here you're going to be going to New York City <laughs> and you're going to be on Good Morning America, you haven't told anybody. By the (laughs) time this podcast airs, everyone's going to know and we're going to make sure that we link it into the show notes. But I'm just like so proud of you. I'm so excited that it's a shock. I'm so excited that the world gets to hear you, Mm. first of all, and that the world gets to hear this message because there is this is such a an important message for, for this generation. Right. I actually spent the weekend reading your book, partly reading it and then I downloaded it on Audible. So actually, and you are the one reading the book. And so I just feel like I just spent like nine hours with you over a cup of coffee. And it it was just so fun. But there were so many things I loved. Like the first thing I loved was that I finished the book in a weekend for a really good reason, because you made me sign a commitment
0: at the (laughs) very opening of the book. And so I knew I had to complete it. So you know what the funny thing that I was not suspecting is that I but so statistics will say that roughly 60% of people who start a book will not finish the book they'll make it to about a third of the way and then they just stop and so I'm like I'm pouring out and bleeding for this book are you book. kidding me I want people to read it and so I put a contract in the beginning of the book and you know what it's been so funny Pastor Julie is that people will tell me it's not like I didn't want to read the book. It's just, you know, life creeps in, but I signed the contract. Right. And I said, You can't start a book on perseverance and quit. So I <laughs> that love was it. awesome. I was I was totally committed. Aww. I also
1: I also loved the hilarious stories that you shared throughout. So (laughs) your gift of storytelling is so poignant, but it was also just so beautiful to see the way that you have lived this message Mm. over the years. And Mm. some of the stories just had me cracking up. I also love the fact that you were so vulnerable, right? Mm. Bianca, you have made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) I, I'm i like, I'm going, I'm, yes. I'm feeling pretty good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I actually, I loved it because you're talking about resilience. And I actually like opened this quote because in the book, you said, full disclosure, I spend a lot of my time somewhere between living to my fullest potential and wanting to quit. Yes. That just set me free when I started reading this book. <laughs> but just how, it, honestly, like I was... So nervous that this was going to give me like 20 more things to do. And at the same time, mm. when I read it, it was just so beautiful. It was freeing. Mm. And it gave me just a vision of what could be and just even just how important the the message of this book is. This is the book that we're talking about is Grit, Don't Quit. And it's all about faith and resilience. And I would just love to hear from you what actually inspired you to write this book and who did you write it for and why did you write
0: it now? Mm. Okay, so I have to say, I love that you said, wow, you've made a lot of mistakes. Because (laughs) I really wanted this book to be kind of like a book where I would go first and give people permission to go second. Because, hey, look at all the mistakes that I have made and those mistakes haven't precluded me from walking in the fullness of what God has called me to. So thank you for seeing that. I hope people can read it and feel like, wow, I mean, I'm not as bad as Bianca. So (laughs) that'd be a win. I thought I was writing this book for somebody who felt like life has knocked them down on the mat of life and they feel like they can't get back up. What I didn't realize in hindsight is I feel like the Lord has highlighted areas of resilience for me and things that I've learned on how to build grit because grit is gettable. It's something that right. we could apply to our lives. But in hindsight and retrospect, I am in one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. And as I was going through the final manuscript of the book, I just felt like God whispered to me, you're living this out for others and you're living this out for yourself. And so I do believe that this is gonna be a resource for people. Yeah. But for me, it documents... The faithfulness of God that I have failed and faltered uh, so many times, but to the victor goes the spoiled is the one who refuses to stay down when life knocks them out. And so that's really the impetus of it.
1: Yeah, I love that because, you know, when I read the book, I actually began to pray for you because I thought with this message and how important, how vital this message is that I knew that there would probably be an attack in some way mm. in this particular area because it is so vital. Mm. And I love the fact that you talked about resilience, developing resilience and faith, right? Yeah. <laughs> that that it's it's both of them together because if we're going to live God's way, I mean you say this in the book if we're going to live God's way, we need more than principles. We need power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We mm-hmm. need his wisdom. We need his strength. We need him as an advocate. And I love that you brought those two together in such a beautiful way and just a very fresh way. So if mm-hmm. even if you've read a book on resilience and read a book on faith before, you need to get this book because it was so fresh, so powerful. But you talk a little bit about the three Ps of yes. resilience, yeah. right? That, that there's three
0: Ps of resilience. I'd love for you to unpack those just a little bit. First of all, can I just say thank you because you are really good at seeing people Mm. and affirming them and encouraging them. Pastor Julie, I have done a number of podcasts, but I'm looking at you and I'm talking to you and like not only... Are you encouraging? But you've really done the work. So for those that listen to this podcast, you are listening to someone who takes this job very seriously. So thank you. Let's talk about the three P's of resilience. So I think that talking about the subject of resilience and grit, most people will preclude themselves from the equation and say, I'm not like and then they'll fill in the gap. I'm not like Rocky Balboa. I'm not like (laughs) Louis Zamperini or somebody that has a lot of grit that historically we can look at them and say, oh, wow, they're an overcomer. But the truth of the matter is I've done so much research coming out of Harvard, Yale, Stanford, UCI, UC Berkeley. And across the nation, there's so much neuroscience and uh, neuropathy that goes into discovering resilience and discovering the things that comprise grit. But out of all the research, there was these three attributes that rose to the top. Now, I culled all the information and I put them in all to begin with the letter P, whether right. I was raised on Sesame Street or I'm a preacher, <laughs> I don't know, but I just, I needed it to be Either easily way, and remember, yes. Mm-hmm. But um, every single person, out, whether it was different genders or socioeconomic status, whether it was somebody from poverty or somebody from privilege or someone with prestige, these people that would typify and define resilience possess these three qualities. So if somebody's out there right now and they're like, I am not a Brazilian person. Maybe you're not today. But if you employ these into your life, you will be a gritty person. You will be a Brazilian person. And these three things, which are actionable today and cost you nothing. You don't even need to right. buy the book. Don't tell my editor that. Don't tell my publisher that. Get the book. But, but you're going to buy the book. But I I just, I'm honestly, I want to give this content away for free. I wanted I wanted packaged Handles for people, so this book isn't about how to define resilience or how to define great. No, it's how to build it for our own lives. So the three pillars of resilience in easy form is perspective, pivot, and purpose. And perspective: the definition of perspective is an honest acceptance of reality while maintaining truth, while maintaining hope. So you can say, fill in the gap: my marriage is on fire, but I'm seeing a counselor, and we're working through it with the power of the Lord. I have a wayward child strung on drugs. That's the reality. But I'm saving for rehab and I'm praying for deliverance. No one in my family has gone to college. That's the reality. However, I'm applying to junior college and putting one foot forward to pursue academia. So perspective is an honest acceptance of reality while Mm. maintaining a sense of hope. Then huge hallmark, the ability to pivot. There's so many people out there that uh, they hit an obstacle and they walk away. They hit an obstacle and they give up. They hit an obstacle and they throw in the towel. No. The hallmark of resilient people is that they have the ability to pivot. So when there's a wall, find a way around it. And then lastly, it's purpose. And a lot of the research that I culled and pulled was from Viktor Frankl, Auschwitz survivor and later on a psychologist that really defined meaning making. And what he discovered is that those that had a purpose, even amidst the pain, that they were Quintessentially resilient people. So, what I just want to communicate to people is that if you don't feel like you're resilient, if you feel like you don't have grit, if you have the right perspective and you develop the ability to pivot and you hold on to the right perspective, guess what? You can become resilient. And that's so good. Mm. So powerful.
1: I love it's perspective, it's purpose, mm-hmm. and it's pivoting. And yeah. so many times that we have to go back to our purpose, go yeah. back to the why of yeah. why. We started on this journey in the first place, you mm-hmm. know, why we thought that we were going to, you know, commit to this relationship or commit to this dream. And so much of it has to do with going back to the why. And in your book, you shared this story very vulnerably. You talked about when you were first stepping out and really declaring God's word, you know, over oh, over gosh, people's yeah. lives. And like on one hand, I was like I was so proud of you. On the other hand, I just wanted to take someone out when <laughs> when I heard this story. And you spoke for one of the first times at a convention. I would love for you to share, you know, just a little bit of the story, if you can yeah. remember what it is. Oh, and I totally just, know what you're talking about. And then about. how God used it to really, like, really cement
0: you in your purpose is bananas. So I'm I'm humbled and I'm, I don't want to get emotional, but even being here and tonight I get to speak to the young adults of Christ fellowship and I will never lose the wonder and the honor of being invited to open up the word of God. It's something that I never thought I could do or was qualified to do. I really long to be Paul, but I'm really just Peter. You know, I have foot and mouth disease and I'm impetuous and I just want to cut some people sometimes, you know, uh, but the first time that I had, a, like, I would say like a legitimate opportunity in invite that actually came via email and they flew me somewhere this was like a real like wow someone wants to hear me preach the word of god this is crazy i don't think i said specific names in the book i said a couple but i mean on on stage was francis chan louis giglio lecrae i mean they had these huge big people i don't know how my name got into the mix but i was there and i had prepared i had prayed i had postured myself before the lord i was ready to preach a solid word And the response was wonderful from the kids. And I thought, okay, Lord, you open this door for me. I'm going to walk through and you met me here. And the kids were ministered. This was amazing. But then the next day, I was invited by two of the leaders to sit down and have a conversation. But I had no context about what this was about. And I was new to preaching and teaching. I, I didn't know. I had no, I just had no clue. We sat down and I wasn't expecting the feedback that I got. And the feedback basically, in short form, was, you're not called to this. You probably need an education. You should stick to online digital stuff. And they specifically said YouTube videos. And they said it like in this way that was so demeaning. You know, yeah. so everyone that's out there doing YouTube yeah. videos, God bless you. Keep on doing the and hard work. Didn't they say it's- something about the kids laugh too much? <gasps> oh, yes, 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 yes. They like, said, you know, we found out that the kids were laughing too much and it was so much of the emphasis went on humor. And I was like, I said not one joke. I'm just a funny person. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I and I, I made the Bible come alive. And and that's one of the things I just love to do. I love putting persona and personality around these characters that we read, you know, black letters on white paper could feel very 2D, very dense. And so I love having characters come to life. And so they might have found that humorous, but I'm I'm speaking to a 13-year-old from, you know, Louisville, Kentucky <laughs> or Alabama. I don't think they care about the greek word the aramaic word and the hebrew word i just wanted to communicate to their right. heart and jesus used a lot of stories and their main trigger point was that i used stories when communicating and preaching mm-hmm. and i should have told them that i had my masters degree i should have told them education is of high value and so it was it was so humbling and i walked away from that meeting and i said i'm 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 not supposed to do this i'm not qualified i'm not educated enough i'm not smart enough i'm not gifted enough i'm definitely not talented enough mm-hmm. and that day i said i'm never going to do this again you're doing it I am so so what (laughs) happened between then and now so okay I've never told anyone this but okay so well it's all coming out I actually got angry I didn't get angry with God I got angry with the enemy for like reawakening the very insecure child that never felt like she was enough Mm -hmm. and I said for years the enemy kept me silent because I felt like I wasn't enough and I'm just never gonna let him do that to me again and so it was a righteous rage. Yeah. It was it was it was a righteous rage. I was just like, okay. They may not like me. I may not be everyone's cup of tea. That's not a problem. Not everyone likes bubblegum ice cream. I think it's disgusting. Some people love it. Some people don't like the way I teach or preach. That's totally fine. I'm not for everyone. But there are people out there that when I open up the word of God, that their hearts are open to it. And so for those people, I don't need a platform. I don't need a spotlight. I need a microphone, YouTube, yeah. podcast, a pulpit, a corner, I don't care. I'm going to preach the word of God to whomever will listen. And I still continued to blog. At the time, blogging was a thing. So I was still blogging. I was still speaking at youth groups. I was speaking at Ladies Tees. Anyone that would want to invite me, mm-hmm. I would come in. And here I am, 17 years later, come on preaching the word of God. And I, I just will not let anyone... Say that I'm not enough, right, right. like because they're probably right. I mean, I mean, the truth of the matter is, Pastor Julie, they probably are right. I will never be smart enough. I will never be educated enough. I will never be cool enough. I just, I just won't. I'm okay with that, right? Because the enough that God has given me has been enough to get me here, and so it'll be good. enough to get me there. That's right.
1: And so I'm just not giving up. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it, and I, I love that. You know, it goes back to your purpose, like you knew your purpose yeah. and i and you you say this so many times but that you are a freedom fighter for people that cannot yeah. <laughs> fight for themselves and yeah. so you go back to that purpose your perspective and and you said it in the book that you know that that they they didn't mean harm right yeah, they I don't believe there was that no malice you know mm-hmm. but again it's like so many people get hurt by Christians and yes. by people in the church and yes. and they give up too soon. Yes. And I say this all the time. We've all, if you're around church long enough, you're just going to be hurt at one time or another, yeah. but you didn't give up. And mm. then to be able to pivot and just go, you know what? This is this is who I'm called to be and I'm yeah. not going to let anybody or anything rob me of my calling mm-hmm. and being able to, you know, go back to blogging, go back to women's teas, and go, yeah. if this is what I'm called to do. Then I'm just going to stay faithful here. Mm-hmm. And now you're here and you're going to yes. be in Good Morning America. And so <laughs> which is absolutely amazing. And, you know, you said earlier in the conversation that that you said, you know, I want I want to give this away for free. And actually, when you reached out to to me a year ago, maybe eight yeah. months ago, you actually said, "I'll come. I just want to share with your young young adults or whoever will listen, and you don't have to pay me anything." I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast. No, I'm, I need glad to it. I'm glad you because did. I'm glad you did. I mean, yes, I you don't literally want anything. you said, "I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I don't." And
0: I, I, let, me, let me also say this because I see what you and Pastor Todd are 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 pouring into so many people. It is an honor and a privilege to come in and be part of this fertile soil that's here mm. and even online. I don't want to dime because it is a privilege and an honor to share this message. The Lord has made a way for me. The Lord has, I don't know why I'm so emotional today. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm I'm humbled to walk in your wake. I see two, I see a husband and a wife leading so beautifully together. And it's been inspiration. I've told you this offline. I say it in private now I'm going to say it in public seeing how you guys lead is inspiration for me it, you have been an encouragement to me you have been a friend to me and I would I want nothing more than to pour my very best into this community and I believe the message but I believe in you guys and I believe in the Capital C Church um, so give it away you. for free you know. Yeah I know that's and that's what you said I was like this <laughs> this really is your heart you're
1: not just saying that yeah. you know so if she says it on Good Morning America it's really true. <laughs> how many times am I going to say that but thank you we, we just love you thank you for pouring in and investing and and this book is going to be just such a powerful powerful impartation into this generation so. but you know I I I love the entire message of the book because I do think it is your life message mm. I mean there's you know there's the big mess there's the message and there's the big message. It's yeah. the life message. And yeah. by reading this, it really is your life message. I love the message of the book that it actually centers around your Bible crush, I guess you call yes, it. My yes. My Bible boyfriend. Bible boyfriend. <laughs> and so it's, you know, just about the faith and the resilience of the apostle Paul. Yeah. And when you looked into his life, how there were tools that he had that he yes. put into practice that, you know, that we can too. And mm-hmm. so I'd love for you to unpack
0: those just a little bit for, for those who might be feeling a little bit knock yeah. down. So a lot of people, when we talk about grit and resilience, uh, people will say like, okay, well, we can do that because we have the power of Jesus. Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think the model of Jesus is really hard for maybe, our, I'm just gonna speak for myself. It's hard because I'm not Jesus. I can't turn this bottle of water into wine. You know, I'm not <laughs> doing this, these miraculous things like Jesus. But uh, you see the nature and the character of Paul, the apostle, who literally, he had the education, he had the pedigree, he had the wherewithal, he had the skill. and And yet, there was so much opposition in his life. Mm -hmm. and I I preach this one message. I'm not going to preach it tonight, but it's literally about he is destined to go to Rome. God tells him he's going to go to Rome. An angel confirms he's going to go to Rome, and yet he ends up shipwrecked on an island off of the Grecian shore in the Mediterranean called Malta. Malta means refuge, and so in the middle of a storm, God provides a refuge, but the reason why, actually, I don't know the reason why he was on Malta, but I do know that he made his time matter because it was ministry on Malta that had to happen, Mm -hmm. and so for me, I'm thinking, Here's this man who knew he was going to have an audience with The most powerful man in the world, in the most powerful country in the world, and yet the Lord had him on this tiny little island called Malta. I think all of us can resonate with thinking that we have a plan, we have a place that we're supposed to go, that there's a purpose for our life, and we somehow end up on these islands and we feel shipwrecked and we feel stranded and we're like, God, I don't speak the language, I don't know what's going on. But Paul used his ministry time to minister to people and bring healing. So for me in my life, and for those that feel like I've been taken off course, I don't know what God is doing, I feel stranded, I feel struck, I feel stuck and shipwrecked. Hey, there's ministry that. God wants us to do that's just one component of Paul's life I mean the man was stoned left to die get back gets back up and goes back into the city that tried stoning him right that's what made me okay so that, let's go back to that story that we were talking about so 17 years ago first speaking invite it was in a city in in, in Tennessee Knoxville Tennessee and I was speaking to 10,000 youth it was like this huge pivotal pivotal moment and it was the day that I said I was never going to teach again. 10 years later in Knoxville, Tennessee, speaking to 10,000 people, I had, it was like a, like a moment where I looked out into these faces of people I did not know, but it was the faithfulness of God that confirmed you did not let that stop you 10 years ago. And that's why you have the opportunity yet again. Mm -hmm. A decade later, it's in the same city to confirm, I have this call upon your life. There's somebody listening on the podcast that you don't know why you are the place that you are. And let's look at Paul as a reference. Don't use me as a reference. Use Paul as a reference. He used every single opportunity for the glory of God. Even when he was in prison, he used prison to write letters. And had had he not been in prison, let's take a look, a side-by-side comparison. Let me word nerd for a second. Okay, Paul the Apostle versus Peter, both amazing, anointed, wonderful communicators. Peter, one of the greatest orators, had a revival breakout of over 3,000 people being filled with the Spirit, and the church just multiplies and grows. However, we only have two, possibly three, letters from Peter, and yet we have multiple letters from Paul. Paul had to write because he was in prison. The place that you feel like you are trapped in is the place that the Lord is preparing you for the greatest ministry work. Mm -hmm. So in this hard season of my life, I cannot help but say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. But years from now, I know that you are going to take this this pain and this pain is going to bring freedom and healing to other people. So this uh, adage that we have in America, when life gives you lemons, Pastor Julie, what do you do? You make lemonade. And what I want us to do is I want us to be gritty people that pivot and say, when life gives me lemons, I'm going to make lemonade, but I'm going to plant the seeds. And one day someone's going to sit in my orchard and eat of my fruit Mm -hmm. because I chose not to give up. And I'm going to maximize every opportunity for ministry that the Lord gives me.
1: That's so good. If you want to connect with some friends and dig deeper into the content from the podcast today, we've created a resource just for you. It's called Show Notes Plus. And Show Notes Plus gives you access to the notes from today's episode, discussion questions, key scripture verses, and links to additional resources, and even some devotionals. So make sure you click the link in our show notes so you don't miss out on the chance to dive deeper. And every time you choose not to give up, you're actually planting another seed yes. every time. And so yes. you're just building a yes. a, a testimony, a yes. legacy. I mean, it's just, it, it's so beautiful. And you've yeah. done that. And again, the way that you share the stories, I mean, that you've had enough times that you've been knocked down, mm-hmm. you know, and you've planted some seeds. And so- you've been able to look back and review the testimony that God's just been so faithful in your yeah. own life. And we have to do that. We have to look back and, and review the good things of God and how mm-hmm. he has been there every step of the way to build our faith. But I also, I think about the fact like Paul writing all of those letters, right? I just think about the importance and the value of relationships yes, right? and how yes. important that the, they are in, in our faith journey and, mm-hmm. and in in. And even being able to be resilient, because that is one of the one of the keys, one of the tools that you talk about in the book. And and this this whole season is a lot of it's about, you know, just the 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 necessity and the complexity of (laughs) biblical community. And one of the things I love that you talk about in the book is you talk about the research around being a twin. And for those of you who oh, don't know, yeah. Bianca is an identical twin, yes. right? We talk about your roommate in the in the book that was <laughs> awesome. But I was thinking about, you know, just the research that that you, you know, that, that you dove into about being yeah. a twin and the power of that comparison, comparison. has yeah. to rob us of our purpose i'd love yeah. for you to unpack that because then you talked about the mirroring you know yes. that mirroring we identities. have yes. in in social media and yes. in, in our culture okay
0: unpack that a little bit about comparison so i have a twin sister and she's my best friend i love her to bits and pieces she got married first she's adopted um her baby she has a very successful business and it, it's, at one point a couple of years ago people started asking like how does it make you feel that your sister is so successful or they'll ask questions like, How does it make you feel that your sister's so thin? And I was like, Well, it didn't make me feel <laughs> away until you started talking about it, <laughs> you know. On. But what it, really what it did is that it started highlighting just the discrepancies and the differences between our life. It Jasmine's all business and I'm all Bible. Mm-hmm so that kind of led me down a research path I was homeschooled as a kid so I'm very dorky and I love research I'm a data nerd I really am and I started researching and out of the 90s there was the largest research study done on twins and what they realized is they called them mirror identities so when you have a twin you are the same age same family same socioeconomic structure but there's these natural senses of comparison who walked first who talked first who graduated first who had a higher GPA who got their job first who got married first who had the kid first and so your whole life you have somebody as a mile marker you have somebody to compare with on what is successful or where you should be now this was big in the from the beginning of time up into the 90s then social media creeps onto the scene at around 20 2008 2010 somewhere around there what we're now seeing and this is my addition to science and research is that though people are not biological twins you can go online and you can find a mere identity you can find someone your exact age a socioeconomic structure, gender, city, amount of kids, marital status, you can find someone who is exactly virtually like you. And you're looking at their life, and you can play the comparison game. And comparison will rob you of progress. Mm -hmm. One of the most powerful words that we have lost in our culture, and not just American culture, Western culture, is the power of enough. Yeah. I have enough. I am enough. I do enough. And what happens in comparison is that we're always looking and we should be there. I should have that. I should date them. And we're never satisfied. And it's robbing us of joy. And so in that chapter specifically, and if you notice, I'm so glad you brought this up because no one's brought it up. But I'm wondering, is anyone going to catch it? Every chapter, I put Pauline scripture, Pauline theology. And in this chapter, I do not mention Paul once, except wow. for the opening verse, right? because he mm-hmm. says, do not compare yourselves so amongst yourself. That was it. And yeah. I just threw that in there just because it was yeah. a little bit of Paul. Mm-hmm. But it was on Jacob and Esau right here's twins of the bible and i use twins in in ancient passage to highlight the discrepancies between comparison and what jealousy does and how they healed how did they heal their relationship and how can we walk in a culture that is constantly comparing i mean pastor julie this is not something that i've overcome i had someone asked me a question yesterday very honestly about social media how do you not compare when you put on social media clips and you know you're comparing yourselves amongst uh, others the truth of the matter is is that comparison's natural that's right it's natural, and it, right. we're, we're faced with it every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, and during the '80s and '90s, churches maybe can compare it marginally or loosely, but now on Sunday, you can go on Instagram, you can go on TikTok, and see somebody had eight thousand salvations, ten thousand baptisms, and they launched two new campuses. You and sound right. like a church planner right now. I so. totally <laughs> am. And comparison will rob you mm-hmm. of the work that God is doing for you, right. and so. How do we put safeguards around it? I talk a little bit about it in the book, but as a practical handle for someone right now, the number one thing that you can do is walk away and say, I have enough. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for what God has given me. Mm-hmm. My spouse is enough or my singleness is enough. My job is enough. My my, my calling is enough. Yeah. I am enough. Yes. And mm-hmm. that begins to change the ne- negative mm-hmm. narrative I love into that. one that's believable. I love that. And even in your book, you
1: have like some amazing scriptures. Again, one of my favorite parts is the appendix. So I actually read the, <laughs> appendix. I'm one of those, I th- the
0: appendix. I one, I chapters. love the appendix. I love the appendix because you
1: have so many scriptures and so many, and, and you know, how to write declarations to be able to declare yes. God's truth over your life. And, um, and especially in this area of comparison, because you're right, it is part of what makes us human. It is natural. See, animals don't do that, they don't compare mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. to each other, right? Humans do, and it's mm. part of what you know. There, there's a lot of science behind that too. It's, it's part of what makes us human. But I do think it is holding that tension between acceptance and improvement. Right? Yes. Is that that we yes. can accept who we are, yes. and then we can say we do have areas to improve, but we can hold that tension. You know, mm. in those two areas and mm. and walk it out. Because I I do think that if we don't get this whole comparison and competition thing under control, that we are going to have a generation of of people that just miss out on their calling and their purpose. It all goes back to yeah. perspective and purpose and pivot, right? Yep. Because if, if we don't get a hold of this, because the I think that this is what the enemy is using To isolate us, to keep us disconnected, to keep us in competition instead of what we're called to do in unity. Mm -hmm. There's so much more we can do. You know, um, we have a saying around here on our team that a win for you is a win for me, and so Mm -hmm. if we can just you know continually walk in that win for you is a win for me, it's a win for us, and and yet this is so difficult for us to grasp. But it, I think, it's actually a a huge key. of of building resilience so that we can continue to fight for what matters most, right? Be gritty about the right things. But this has been so good.
0: Thank you. Hey,
1: just for fun, though, I want to hear just maybe the best piece of advice that you've been given by a mentor. So Mm. sorry, I'm just kind of dropping this on you right now. No, no. And for another time, can we just come back and talk about your dad? When (gasps) I read the book is dedicated to your dad. Another thing that I love about it. Um, (laughs) I just thought we need to have a whole conversation around your dad his legacy, a true picture of faith and resilience. Your mom too. I would love just to hear maybe a word of wisdom that he gave you or something else, anybody.
0: Okay, so I will say this, and I, I I'm gonna be very pragmatic on this one. I, I kind of feel like I'm I just hit 40, and I feel like I'm sandwiched in between. Am I an adult yet, or and and still like trying to figure out my life? You look like you're 25. So that oh, I that love you. Right. No, you. Oh my do. gosh, this is why you're my friend. And your
1: eyelashes, they're
0: thank you, they thank you. They're, they're a new set. I had to put on a it's new great. set so that I, the, the anointing can come tonight because yeah. I I, I want, it will yes. be the eyelash Yes, my mentor told me if you don't take your life seriously, then you won't get serious about life. And one of the ways that she really pushed me was organizing my Google calendar. I know this sounds so insignificant, but if I can tell the next generation one thing, get your life, get your life and use your calendar. Mm -hmm. And you can put locations in your calendar. You can put reminders. You can put notifications. You can set alerts. Yes. I live by my calendar. You can put agenda items. Agenda items. You can put agenda items in. Girl, you can put Zoom links in it. You can. Honestly, it has changed my life. People are like, how do you do so much? I leverage my calendar and pray. Like literally, I'm not even kidding you. So if I can give one piece of advice to the next generation or those that feel like their life is very like scattered. Get into the discipline of laying out your week. So I lay out my entire year. And then at the top of the month, I lay out my month. At the top of the week, I lay out my week. And so I'm very, very specific. I love this book by Carrie Newhoff, At Your Best. Yeah. And really walked through the optimal times like that you find work, that you should work. And then, so that's a pragmatic. And then let me give like more of a prophetic one. I take a look at this next generation. I take a look at my generation. I take a look at the generation before. And I feel like if you take a look, a cultural temperature and a spiritual temperature, I feel like we're ripe for revival. And I don't want to – listen, I don't want to get all new, like end times and stuff. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I want the conversation to rise above it. I believe that our nation and the globe is ripe for a move of God. And what I would love for people to step into is walking in the authority and the fullness of the power of God's spirit. Mm -hmm. Paul says it so beautifully in his letter to his friends in Rome, Romans 10, he says, the same spirit that resurrected Christ from the grave lives in us. And so we can talk about grit and resilience and you can get pragmatic and you can get practical, but the truth of the matter is, is the reason why this book is so important for Christians is because the reason why we can get back up, it's not in and of ourselves. Right. We have the power of a resurrected savior. And if that's if that's the case and we're living with that power, then we walk in the fullness of his gifts and we walk in the fullness of the fruits, the fruits of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. When we walk in tandem, exemplifying the fruit of his spirit and walking in the gifts of his spirit, we will see the miraculous happen. We will see revival break out. We will see the miraculous gift of salvation as well as the miraculous gift of healing. And I'm gonna say even Miracles. Right. So I'm excited and I'm hopeful. I want us to get organized to prepare for revival, (laughs) use the Google Calendar, and then also prepare our hearts for a move of God and not to be fearful of walking in the fullness of His Spirit, but embrace it wholly and excitedly because I think this next generation is tired of social media, tired of the perfect and the polished and the pretty, and they want the real. And I think that they will experience the presence of God and their lives will be forever transformed. Wow. That is so powerful.
1: I just kind of want to sit in that for a minute, but so powerful. Thank you mm. so much for that word. And I believe it. And I'm going to be praying that over, you know, over this generation, because I, I agree with you. We we are living in a, a day and time like no other. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, the, the Lord is getting ready to just pour out his spirit. And he has been. Are you just seeing it? I'm seeing it. We are seeing seeing it. I'm seeing it. Yes. And this is why I'm going to circle back. And this isn't a pitch, I promise. But this is why your book is so important. Grit, don't quit. We don't want to give up too Mm. soon. Don't give up on your calling. Don't give up on revival. Don't give up on what we're called together. And so this has been so great. I'm going to make sure that we put the link of the book in our show notes and then also a link to your podcast we're going there (laughs) it's amazing and just some other resources from your appendix if you're good with that some of the scriptures and so but thank you so much Bianca this has been so powerful and we're just gonna be praying for you as God just keeps burning this message on your heart to be able to carry it to people that need it the most you are such a powerful voice over this generation and we are cheering you on every step of the way I love you thank you so much thank you love you Thank you for joining us today for the So Good Sisterhood Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with a friend, or leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.